When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Comedian Nimesh Patel brings his Fast and Loose tour to DC's Warner Theater next week on November 10th and 11th. He joined me to discuss his journey from getting discovered by Chris Rock to writing an Oscar monologue and even writing for SNL. Hey, Nimesh Patel, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in Washington, DC. Thank you for having me. Good morning. We're talking because you were coming for a couple of stand-up shows at Warner Theater on November 10th and 11th here in D.C. It's a historic spot. Have you ever, you ever played the, that spot before? Do you know? Uh, this will be my third time playing Warner Theater, uh, my second time headlining. I'm very excited. D.C. is my favorite place to do comedy. Now, why is that? Well, a lot of comedians we talk to say that. Is is it like a, a slightly more intelligent or cultured uh, audience? Like they get the jokes? <laughs> It's DC, it, like y'all know everything. Like if ignorance is bliss, DC is the saddest place in the world, you know. And, and that those are the type of people that need a laugh or two, or a lot. And uh, I, I, I love giving it to them. I like that you say D- in DC that we know everything. That that's the problem. They think they yeah. know everything. Punt <laughs> yeah. performing to a bunch of know-it-alls. No, that's yeah, it's my um, favorite thing to do. Absolutely. Um, well, I know whenever I have a comedian on, I'd never want to like spoil your spoil your actual punchlines, but I'm trying to figure out a way to sort of tease like what sort of topics do we go into? Do you go into DC, you know, political stuff, the Speaker of the House craziness, the Donald Trump indictment stuff, the Biden? Oh, I mean, no, what, no. what all do we go into? I think there's bigger things going on in the world than uh, Republicans trying to kill each other. Uh, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yes. I, yes. I, I, uh, uh, I can give you the set list. It's uh, it's what's going on in the world, to uh, our, our, the American emotion of anger, to my own dealings with anger and how I deal with that, and uh, ends with some uh, some takes on what it means to be Indian these days, and then uh, uh, one of my favorite stories from Washington D.C. All right, thanks for the yeah. set list. You gave us yes, the sir. intro, the the encores, everything. Thanks for the yes, set. Sir. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, whenever I have anyone on, I always, you know, uh, I love to tell our listeners sort of your your you know your whole origin story. So I know you were born in New Jersey in what eighty six, uh, Indian in the American immigrants. Um, what what sort of what comedy did you like when you were growing up? Like, did you have any you know favorite comedy movies or stand up comedians or you know what what were your touchstones? Man, it's so hard. Like I grew up with uh, sixteen first cousins, so <laughs> that was that was the comedy, right? It, it was all of us yelling at each other, causing anxiety issues and, and abandonment issues, and all that. And that's where really like our our core comedy came from. As we grew up, like Chris Rock was a probably one of the first comedians I ever saw, like as a special. Uh, but you know, we're also run of the mill 
Americans in the sense that we were watching Saved by the Bell and Family Matters and uh, Wayne's Bros and everything else that was on ABC and WB at the time. Those are like formative TV shows for us. Right. In, right. Terms, of, in terms of movies, Sandler was king um, at the time. And, and that's no different now, of course. And uh, <laughs> as we got older, as we got older, movies and, and TV shows became gave way to like music and DMX and all that. So all that was kind of formative. If that paints a picture of a New Jersey Indian kid that was obsessed with hip hop, but also uh, getting A's in math and English and stuff. So, <laughs> hey, Chris Rock, Adam Sandler, and DMX, you just described my upbringing. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I'm with you, man. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, which Chris Rock special are you talking about? Was it Bigger and Blacker? Was that the one? I mean, that I was crying laughing watching that one. Bigger and Blacker was the first one that was the first stand-up special I ever saw that I remember memorizing and bringing to school and all my friends had also memorized it. And we would just talk in bits from that special. And I don't, I forget what year that was, but it feels like late middle school or mid high school that when that dropped and it was such a mind blowing special because it was to this day remains probably top five specials of all time, but it was like such a like formative Chris Rock experience, you know, the only guy that tackled Columbine the way he did and talked about um, bullet control whiskey scandal and everything. And it was just like flawless, you know? Yes. There's, there's Abraham Martin and Pac. I, yep. <laughs> I love Biggie and Tupac, but school will be open on their birthdays. There's yes, a, what is it? A picture of Jesus and Biggie on the seesaw. Jesus yeah. always in the air. <laughs> it's I mean, um yeah. I mean, we, it's burned into our brains. Yeah, I, and I looked it up for you while you were saying it, it was 1999 at HBO Apollo theater. Yep. It's, Classic, classic stuff. Well, I wanted to yeah. mention Chris Rock because I believe when I was sort of researching your background, he sort of, I, don't, I hate to say discovered you, but you know what I mean? He was an early influence on you when you were doing, well, I guess if I want to chronologically say it, you were doing pre-med in New York, but then ended up switching to finance. I think that's where you graduated and you start doing yeah. stand-up comedy. So how, how exactly does that shift happen to stand-up so that, so that Rock discovers you, I guess, in Brooklyn, I guess? So I graduated in 2008 with a degree in finance, and it's probably why I do stand up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the funniest thing you could do at the time. And uh, I started in 09 when I was like unemployed, underemployed, really listless. And I had no idea what I wanted to be doing. And I just caught the bug, got on stage. Uh, and then once I, the first night I performed, I was like, I knew uh, this is something I wanted to do and pursue. So I was doing open mics and my own shows. And then in 2011, I started a show with uh, my friend Mike Denny and uh, our friend Michael Che, who is of Saturday Night Live fame now. Um, and we started a show there. And by 2015, it become like the hottest independent uh, stand-up show in New York. One of them. And in my opinion, the, uh, but I'm sure other people will argue otherwise, but undoubtedly one of the best independent shows to the point where, you know, it was packed every Monday night that we did it and people were coming there to watch. And one night Langston Kerman was set to perform Langston Kerman, a funny uh, stand up on his own right, you know, writer for uh, Issa Rae or, or what's that called? The show uh, Insecure and all, a bunch of others. Yeah. But anyway, uh, and Chris was supposed to come watch him because they want to attach him to a pilot of some kind. And uh, once I got wind, Chris was coming. I was like, 
I'm going up. I'm performing in front of Chris. There's no way I'm not. And, uh, and so I went up. Chris saw me. Uh, I had one of these like blackout sets where I, I did great, but I do not remember the set at all. Um, <laughs> like Will Ferrell in old school. What happened? Exactly. I blacked out. Exactly. I blacked out, dude. <laughs> the only thing, I, the only thing I remember is writing a joke in the bathroom before I went up, and it was something about. Um, it was right around the time Cecil the Lion was in the news, like he, like that dentist killed him. Oh yeah. And, and uh, I. I'm kind of contrary in that sense. Like, I didn't really care that a lion died because, like, I went on stage and I said, why do we care about lions? I had four chickens today. Like, no where's, no one's protesting me. Like, and, and for, like, no one laughed, but Chris laughed. And, uh, and that was enough for me to be like, all right, I'm better than all of you. And then blackout. And uh, afterwards, Chris told me um, he thought I was funny and I was just, like, in shock. I was like, you're Chris Rock. And then a few months later, I got uh, an email saying he wanted me to be on the writing team for the Oscars that he was hosting in 2016. Right. And that, right. Was, and that was like, that was a whirlwind experience because at that time, that time, Chris probably doesn't know this, but at that time, like my day job, my finance job was in flux. And I was like interviewing um, at a bunch of other places, but I wasn't really getting anywhere because every job I joined up to this point, I had told him I was doing standup. Uh, but I was like, you know, five, what was that? Uh, seven years into my uh, finance quote unquote career. And now the places I was interviewing against, I was coming up against like people being either ageist or sexist against the, an Indian guy that presents as a banker, but just wants to be an assistant, you know? Uh, <laughs> and so while that job was ending, uh, I got my first writing job. And so there was almost like no gap between finance job ending and writing job starting. And, and that was like January, my finance job ended. February, I was in Los Angeles writing for Chris Rock for the Oscars. It was crazy. That is just like you planned it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's written. amazing. I And, yeah. and uh, that Oscars always hold a special place in my heart. That was the first one I ever went out and like covered in person, you know, on the carpet and backstage and all that, which, by the way, is just a uh, total S show. If anyone recovering the red carpet is just ridiculous. You don't yeah. get to watch. Sometimes you have to go to the Oscars not to get to watch the Oscars because it's just like a, a madhouse, like barely you'll catch maybe a thing on the screen. But anyway, uh, yeah, like, uh, do you remember which of those jokes uh, that you you helped write for, for Rock? Because I remember that was the Oscar so white first year that was that year right with Leo that, won and Spotlight won that year right that that was the year of uh, Oscar so white and what I my first joke I got for Chris was uh we did a promo we were doing a bunch of promos and we had to write those promos and commercials and uh uh I think I wrote the New Year's promo joke which like was like oh shit I got Chris Rock to say a joke of mine which I stole a feather in my cap and then uh, there was one for, in the monologue that got cut for time, which really hurt my feelings. But I was glad that Chris considered it. It was uh, right around also. That was also around the time Flint, Michigan was still in the news, you know, the water. And, yeah. 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 And uh, Chris said Chris was saying like a joke about acting being brave. And I said, brave is acting isn't brave. Brave is drinking a glass of water in Flint, Michigan. And Chris, <laughs> and Chris punched it up to say, yeah. Uh, acting isn't brave brave is drinking a glass of kool-aid in flint michigan and that obviously hit uh, a lot harder uh, yeah. but then i'm not sure i don't think it made it to the monologue but if it did then that was uh, a joke i contributed but 
beyond that, it was just crazy to be in there in the room while, you know, we crafted that monologue and got to see it like while he ran it at uh, the store and a bunch of other places beforehand, which was just still, uh, you know, one of the top comedy experiences I've ever had. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. do you actually get to sit in the auditorium for that or you have to go watch it like at home like everybody else and say, I wrote no, some of that? <laughs> no, they, they keep us in the basement uh, oh, near, come on. near a hotline. Uh, so that if Chris needs anything from on stage, um, we could toss some stuff. <laughs> Feed me a joke. Feed me a joke. Yeah, the yes. bat phone. Oh, that's yep. great. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Um, and kind of speaking of which, didn't you also help write uh, Hassan Minaj's uh, White House Correspondence Dinner as well in 2017, yeah. like right after that? Yeah, so uh, right after the Oscars, uh, Hassan hosted the uh, Congressional Correspondence Center before that. And that was like m- myself and like two or three other people. Um, and that Congressional War Correspondence Center is like the warm up for the White House Correspondence Center, you know. And uh, so I wrote on that and we I wrote like the uh, the viral gun bit that he did um, when he was talking to uh, uh, Senate or what have you. Um, or, or to, sorry, not to the Congressional Correspondence Center. It was about like, you know, why can't we, if if Congress takes all this money from all these outside interests to like not change gun legislation, can we raise money to to change gun legislation? And that like obviously worded a bit better, um, but that went viral and that made him think, okay, when he does the White House Correspondence Center, we're going to bring it back on. Um, and so, yeah, I was on that team as well, but that was like uh, such a crazy uh, team effort i think there was like 10 of us um that were shooting jokes out and i don't remember a single one of them minus the uh the steve bannon nazi joke which uh, i think david angelo wrote that's the only joke i remember from that whole thing right because that would have been right after that was right that was trump's first year in right so that would have been right yeah. after kelly and conway alternative facts and spicer with the crowd sizes like dude, that's right off the cusp of all of that i guess yeah that was it was a hot time to be doing that White House Correspondence Center, for sure. Oh, yeah. You got you got a good time there. Well, yeah. you've been generous with your time, but I, I would be remiss if, you know, in the final seconds, if I don't uh, hit on your your brief, you know, your, your time at SNL really quick. I believe we always have to mark the first, right? I believe you were the first Indian American writer on SNL. And I know it only lasted, what, like a, a year, but you got an Emmy nomination, you know, as a group out of that. So just memories of, of that time really quick or any, you know, favorite sketchers, sketches that you got to write anything that got cut left on the cutting room floor. I don't know. And just memories of, of SNL, man. I mean, what a, what a whirlwind experience to even be a small part of that was an honor and to have my, uh, 
picture up in the writer's room wall was, was is awesome knowing that uh i joined the club of people that have uh bond at those tables with jokes you know uh i think my favorite my favorite thing you know outside of obviously the sketches that i got to watch i wrote on update so slightly different experience but like that small tight knit group was incredible che and joe are amazing yeah. um and the rest of the writers team is incredible my favorite part outside of all like the writing and stuff was that my parents got to meet keenan and uh keenan the nicest, funniest person to ever exist. Um, you can also shoot a knuckle puck. The, Kenny? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We're doing strange back. He's got a cousin that loves Prince, from what I know. Oh, right. Uh, but, like, my parents weren't super schooled on comedy, you know. And when I was yeah. growing up, I, I forgot to mention I would watch all that and Keenan and Kale constantly. And so my parents knew who Keenan was. And so then to see him at the show, like, oh, my God, you're the you're the only one we know on the program. And we've seen you since you were a child, too. And so that was like an uh, uh, incredible moment that I won't forget. Uh, that's part of my experience there, for sure. That's funny. Of all the great people on the show, they're like, hey, you're the Good Burger guy. Yeah, Dude, they <laughs> fucking love Keenan. I mean, who doesn't love Keenan? Keenan's the best. And, oh. and oh, he's having... Having just like been access, having had even small access to his his sketch and comedy mind, like he could, the way he could digest and dissect what's wrong with sketches and bits, like yeah. even in between shows, in between the rehearsal and the and the live, it was incredible. Like the man is a savant um, and also the nicest guy on the planet. Yeah, I think we forget but between all that and Keenan and Kellen now, even SNL, we forget how many years he's even been on that now. Like we take for yeah. granted like his his run of sketch comedy. It, it, like that's it's quite a body of work at this point. It's it's a, it, it, it's in it won't be surpassed. Uh, <laughs> I want Kel to get a full time role in there when he came <laughs> yeah, on. That, that, would that would be great. Be, he called yeah, in yeah. on our show actually, and he was hilarious. And I'm so glad that they brought him back for a couple of those bits. But man, can you imagine Keenan and Kel together again if they were like full time SNLers? That'd be amazing. Man, what a vision! <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thanks so much for for joining us. Uh, everyone, come check out Nimesh Patel at Warner Theater on November 10th and 11th. Everybody, got to get your tickets. It's going to be hilarious. Obviously, if you Thank can't you. tell from this interview, um, anything else you want to plug? Like any streaming specials that you know that that they should check out to get ready for the show? Uh, you can watch all my stuff on YouTube. It's at Finding Nimesh. Uh, that's my channel name. Uh, but you won't see anything that you're going to see at the Fast and Loose tour. So even if you watch everything that's on my YouTube channel, on my TikToks, on my Instagrams, come out to the Fast and Loose tour, fastandloosetour.com for tickets. Warner Theater, November 10th and 11th. My favorite place to do comedy, DC. I'll see you soon. Absolutely. It'll all be new material. All new yes, material. Sir. Awesome. Hey, thank you for doing this. This is so much fun. Thank you very much. All right. See ya. Talk soon. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. Beyond the Fame.